0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Paragold, a church committed to making the real Jesus known to every man, woman, and child. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagold.com. Welcome. So glad you're here. Uh, We're going to be in John 11. I'm going to start in verse uh, 17, and I'm going to read all the way through verse 44. John 11, verse 17 through verse... But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know. He'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. But whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, Hey, uh, the teacher's here, and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly, and she went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell at his feet and saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And look at verse 35. And Jesus wept. If there's any kids in here, your parents make you memorize a Bible verse, let me submit to you John eleven thirty-five. 35. It is the shortest verse in the entire Bible, but I'd say one of the most powerful. When Jesus saw where they laid him, he wept. Verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said take away the stone. Martha the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time, there's going to be an older. He's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I tell you that if you believe that you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that you may or that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with the cloth, which, by the way, if his feet, about this, this past week, if his feet were, were uh, lined and, and laced with, with these strips, he probably had to hop out of the tomb like a bunny. And so I don't know if that's where the Easter bunny thing came from. But anyways, happy Easter. Um. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's pray together one more time. Father, I thank you so much that the story that we are reading here today is true. And it's not just true news, it's good news. It is the best news on the planet. And we are all in need of it. We need not just to believe it with our minds, but we need to be explosively alive in our hearts. And so I pray that you right now through your spirit, that you will drive this truth into us and transform us from the inside out. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Last Sunday night, I was with our missional community at Brian and Julie Wilkins' house. Uh, grilling out, having a good time, and all of a sudden we heard someone say, hey, Brian, there's a dead animal in your pool. Um, Now, that's not something we hear regularly at our MC meal, so immediately the men were intrigued by this, so we all went out on the deck, and sure enough, we look in the the pool, and and there was this dead animal, which we found out from Brian later had been there two weeks. Why two weeks? You'll have to ask Brian about that. And so... but uh, we're sitting there, and we're looking at this, and we're trying to figure out what it is. Some's like, I think it's a cat. Some's like, oh, no, it's a rat. Some's like, I think it's a squirrel. You know, and it's like, we're all trying to figure out what kind of animal it is. And Adam's like, Pastor Adam here, I- I'll-, I'll figure it out. I'll get it for you guys. And so he goes, and he grabs this pole with a net on it. And, uh, yep, there's the picture. There's the proof. And he fishes out what is actually a bloated, dead possum, okay? And now if the story would have stopped there, we'd all say, oh, that was great, Adam. Very kind of you to do that. But what he does next lets you in a little bit on what goes on in Adam's mind on just a, a regular basis. Because he gets that possum and begins to just toss it in the air over and over and catch it with the net. And we're like, man, what you doing? He's like, man, just making sure it's dead. And we're like, bro. Like, if we couldn't tell by the horrific stench, thank you very much, we can now tell by the fact you're throwing it up in the air like a pancake and its lifeless body just falls into the net over and over. And by the way, if you want to see a video of this, go to YouTube, I am not joking, type in um, a pastor, a pool, and a possum, and you'll find uh, Adam does. Don't, Don't YouTube it right now, but do it later, and you'll find this out. And so, man, obviously very weird, very bizarre, but think about this. As odd as that moment was, would it have not been stranger if whenever we look at this this dead possum, if Adam walks up to it, and rather than trying to get a net to fish it out of the water, he looks to the sky, he prays to God, and he says, Now, possum, come forth. Right? Possum, just just get your little legs moving, little fella. Swim on out of that pool and, and go be with your possum family. Come to life. But if we would have been there in that moment, we would have looked and been like, that guy needs psychiatric help, right? Like something is wrong. I mean, as weird as it was to watch him flip this dead possum in the air, it would have been much more odd for him to try to raise this possum from the dead. And why is it that we think that? Because we live in a world where there is no empirical evidence that anything can resurrect I mean, we we live in a world where there's no evidence that dead things can come back to life. Not only does it seem physically impossible, but it also, if we can be honest, seems to fly in the face of everything we see going on around us. I mean, when you look at your world and you look at your life, I mean, we see things like cancer and war and oppression. We see racism, poverty, and all kinds of brokenness. I mean, just last night, my air conditioner unit, which is only nine years old, completely quit working. Right? Well, started smoking. I mean, we were without air last night. On top of that, my, my daughter developed a fever. She woke up even this morning with 102.5 fever. I mean, we live in a broken, fallen world where it seems like life especially life from death, is not possible. And therefore, as a result, here's what I think happens on Easter. Though we come in here and we celebrate this risen Savior and we love getting dressed up and we love the inspiring songs from the band and we love hunting Easter eggs with our kids, the reality is, I think that some of us, if we can be honest today because we look at the life and the death and the brokenness all around us, we look at Easter and we say, you know, yeah, great news about the past. Jesus got out of the grave. Great news about the future. I know one day I'll be in heaven. But honestly, Pastor, I believe this resurrection stuff has no real implications on my life today. There's no power in it for 2017. I know we would never say that out loud, but I think, by the way, some of us act and some of us think in our, in our own thoughts when no one else is around we begin to meditate and think on these things. And if that is where you are, if you have begun to believe the lie, the resurrection has no power in your life, right here today in 2017, John chapter 11 is for you. To set the context for you, there's a family in here that is closer to Jesus than any other family next to his own biological family. You have Martha, the older sister. You have Mary, the middle sister. And then you have their baby brother, Lazarus. And by the time we come to John chapter 11, something horrific has happened. Jesus is out doing his ministry, doing his thing, when all of a sudden Lazarus, one of his best friends, gets sick. And when I say sick, I mean like really sick. Like if something doesn't happen quickly, he's going to die sick. And so Mary and Martha, they have seen Jesus heal people before. And so they get this runner and they say, look, Jesus is about two miles from here doing ministry. So run as fast as you can. Let him know that our our baby brother, his best friend, he's dying. And so go and tell him so that he can come and heal Lazarus before he dies. So the runner takes off. And he's running and he's running and eventually he gets to Jesus and I imagine he's, he's, he's winded, he's exhausted, but he's like, okay, I found Jesus, so everything's going to be okay. He says, Jesus, you need to know Lazarus is really sick, he's going to die. And how does Jesus respond? In verse 4 of chapter 11, he says, ah, this kind of sickness don't lead to death. But it's actually, it's there so that God can get glory through it. And then he sends the runner away and Jesus just goes back and does his own ministry. So Jesus is doing his own thing, he's teaching, he's doing his ministry, and all of a sudden Lazarus, he gets sicker and sicker, and eventually this sickness does lead to death. Lazarus does die. Jesus then gets word of Lazarus' death, and he says to his disciples, okay, we need to go back to Jerusalem now. And the disciples are like, wait a minute, Jesus, weren't we just almost killed? Like, weren't people trying to kill you in Jerusalem? And he says, yeah, they were, but Lazarus has fallen asleep. And I love the disciples, how slow they are, because it gives me hope for my slowness Because the disciples look at him like, well, Jesus, he's falling asleep. That's a good thing, right? He's sick. He needs sleep, right? And Jesus is like, guys, let me just be like as clear as I can. But he's dead. He died. So we need to go back to Jerusalem and check out the scene, figure out what's going on. And so they head back to Jerusalem. And that's where we pick up in our story. In verse 20, if you look with me again, it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And then Martha said to Jesus, look at this, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. It is so easy at times to read this Bible and to totally remove ourselves from the emotions that must have been experienced in that moment. I mean, you realize when we read these stories, these are real people who experienced real life stuff. And I want you to just imagine what Mary and Martha must have been experiencing. Can you imagine having this young brother, his whole life is ahead of him, and all of a sudden he gets super sick. And I don't know what happened, but it must have been a violent illness because it took him quickly. And they're sitting there and they're trying to nurse him back to health as they're looking out a window and being like, is he coming yet? Is Jesus coming? Hey, do we see Jesus? You know, I almost talked that over. Um, (laughs) And you're looking for him. And you're wondering like 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 where is he? Like he's the one who can make all of this this better. But 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 you look at the window and you see no signs of Jesus and keep in mind like like there's no hospital. There's no electricity. There are no antibiotics and listen, I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's dying, but it's never pretty. When I was 21 years old, I remember the first time I was around someone, as they were dying, I was a college pastor, and I was going to make hospital visits at a church, and there was a guy who had been sick. We didn't think he was deathly sick, but had been sick. And so I go uh, into the hospital uh, to visit this guy, and whenever I get there to his room, in room 321, I'll never forget it, he's moaning, he's groaning, he's in pain. There's just a few nurses around him, no family members, and I walk in, and they stop me, and they say, are you, are you a family member or a pastor? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And they said, "Okay, well then you need to come here. This guy's maybe got an hour to live, Tops." And so I go in and they're giving him morphine, and I didn't know. I was 21 years old. I didn't have a clue what to pray. I'm just like praying for peace and, and 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 I get done praying and I and I go to leave the room because I don't want to see what's happening. And I and I go to walk out the room and his wife comes in. She's like 81 years old. She walks in. They have no family around here, and she says, "Will you sit with me while he dies?" And honestly, I didn't really want to, I was terrified. But I go in there and I sat with this man as he began to pass away. And I'm telling you, since then, I've sat with both of my grandfathers as they passed away, with a grandmother who's passed away. I've sat with other people as they were dying. And listen, every time, dignity goes out the window. Uh, Breathing becomes labored. Eventually, you get what they call this death rattle. I mean, it's never a pretty thing. And this is what Mary and Martha watched happen to their brother. And therefore, Martha, when she walks up to Jesus, she says, if you had been here, this would have never happened. I wonder if that thought's ever gone through your mind before when it comes to Jesus. Just a couple weeks ago, my brother, he runs a gym here in town, and a girl he'd been training for a year, had a head-on collision, 20 years old, head-on collision, killed her instantly. Whole life ahead of her, dead. And the day that she died in the car wreck, another person from the gym came in and looked at my brother and said, hey, if... If God is a loving God and he's in control, where in the world was he whenever she had this collision and died? Guys, that's a real question that a lot of people ask when they're going through suffering. Maybe some of you are there even right now. Jesus, if you, were who you, say you, if you are who you say you are and you can do what you say you do, if you had been there, my kid wouldn't have died. If you had been there... I wouldn't have been abused or neglected like that. Jesus, if you, if you had been there, I wouldn't have lost that job or I wouldn't have been hurt, right? But, 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 but Jesus, when I needed you the most, you were not there for me. That's exactly what Martha is going through right here in this moment. She's clearly in pain, but there's still a glimmer of hope because in verse 22, she says, hey, I know that you can make this right. I know that, that right, if you pray, God, he'll answer you and he can do anything. So Jesus, you can still make this right, right, Jesus? And in verse 23, he says, yeah, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. And then in verse 24, Martha says, oh, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. That seems like a really spiritual response from... Martha, but it's actually a really cynical response. It's her way of saying, oh, yeah, 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 Jesus. I, that's right. I've read the Old Testament. Yeah, that's right. I, I've heard you before. There's going to be a resurrection in the last day. That's right. Jesus, one day, one day in heaven, Jesus, one day in the sweet by and by. I know. I'll see my brother again. So thanks, Jesus. I appreciate that. I'll try to calm down now. I love Jesus' response. He's so patient. He looks in verse 25. Look at this good news. He says, actually, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus says, "Uh, Martha, you're looking to the future for a resurrection. You're looking to the future for hope. Stop looking to the future and look at me. Look at me. Because I am here, right here, and I am the resurrection. I am the one who makes dead things come to life. He says, I am the one who is the resurrection and the life. And when I say I'm the life, I mean I am the eternal, abundant life that cannot be taken away from you even if you die. And then he says, Martha, verse 26, do you believe this? This is a very important question, not just for Martha, but for you and me today. Do you believe this, that I am the resurrection and the life? This is an important question because, listen, some of you in here today, you come in here and you are in debt up to your eyes. Some of you come in here, your marriage is on the rocks. Some of you, your body is falling apart. You have little kids that are acting like these midget demons and you have no idea how to control them. And so you walk in today and you're like, looks great. Nice pants, Pastor, right? Nice pastel colors. Easter lilies are on point. Great job, band. Right? Yeah, it's all fantastic. But this whole resurrection thing, it doesn't even touch the mess or the pain that I am experiencing today. That's where Martha is. Jesus, I was hoping you could do something about today. But okay, yeah, tomorrow. I get it. I'll focus on the future. That's right. Brighter days are coming, Jesus. Thank you for that. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. And I'm the life. And I'm here. Do you believe this? And then Martha, she says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Guys, what she's doing here, again, seems super spiritual. It's the same thing we do on Facebook or Instagram. where We just throw this verse on there that it looks really good, sounds good in our heads, but has not settled into our hearts yet. And we know that because if you keep reading the story, here's what we see. Flip over to verse 32. It says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she's experiencing the same emotions as her older sister Martha. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews... Who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Now the word for troubled there in the Greek literally means Jesus got agitated. He got mad. Now let me ask you this: Why in the world was Jesus angry about this situation? Why does he walk up where these people are mourning the death of Lazarus and Jesus gets angry about it? You know why he's mad. Because death wasn't supposed to be here. Because death and sin are intruders that are unwanted by God. We've been going through the story of God the last several weeks. And if you remember, in the beginning, right, God created Adam and Eve, and he created them to live forever in perfect harmony with themselves and with him. No sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no death. And so Jesus is here and he's watching this family that is obviously just, just, just torn apart by the death of Lazarus and Jesus is not at all happy about it. The reason you need to understand that today is you need to understand, listen guys, God did not create death. Death is not God's idea, death is man's idea. But the good news of Easter is this, and one of the reasons we celebrate is, though God did not design death, he did come to destroy death. He came to destroy it through his son, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But right here in this very scene with Lazarus, Jesus decides, you know what? I'm going to prove right here and right now in a small way that I have come to bring dead things to life. And so here's what he decides to do. He says, take me to the tomb. Take me to where you have laid him, in verse 34. And so they take Jesus to the tomb. And notice what Jesus does next. It says in verse 35 that whenever he made it to where Lazarus was buried, Jesus wept. For the record, the word wept here doesn't mean Jesus dabbed his eye. He actually began to wail. Like... An embarrassing cry, like to kind of be like, hey, Jesus, let's kind of go over here a little bit, kind of get out of the scene for a little bit, kind of calm down. Jesus begins to well. You need to hear that today. Listen, the real Jesus is not some robot without emotions. The real Jesus experiences anger, we see here, and he also experiences deep grief. And the reason that's important is I talked to this. This, uh, a family member from this girl who died in a car wreck um, last, I guess it was a couple weeks ago. And, and I asked her, I said, Hey, how's the family doing? He said, Well, brother, you know, we had the funeral and we cried our tears, but now, man, we, we just know she'd want us to be happy. So we're just going to move on and put a smile on our face. And I said to him, You know, hey, she may want you to be happy, but Jesus isn't telling you that you have to be happy. Jesus isn't telling you just to, hey, to dry it up, get over it. Do you notice? I mean, that doesn't happen right here in the story. Jesus doesn't walk up where this is going on, saying, hey, 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 everybody, cheer up. You claim to be Christians, put a smile on your face. Hey, let's not focus on the negative, let's focus on the positive. Some of you think Jesus is that way. Some of you think Jesus looks at you and you're like, so you had a miscarriage. Move on. So your grandpa died. He was eighty-something years old. What else do you want from me? Focus on the positive people. I lost my whole life for you so that you can have heaven someday. So let's just move on here. Because that is not at all the way the real Jesus is. The Jesus we see in this passage is I want to visit your dead spaces. I want to stand with you there and I want to cry. I want to feel your pain. And what's so great about this Jesus is because he is the resurrection of life, he doesn't just have to feel this pain as some helpless person who's like, I can't do anything about it but just feel your pain. No, he says, I'm not just coming with my feelings. I want to come with healing. And so he says in this moment, he says, Martha, I want you to take away the stone. I want you to remove the stone. And here's where we see Martha's unbelief still because she says to Jesus in this moment, she says, well, I would like to Jesus, but it's going to create an older Literally, in the King James Version, it says, Jesus, we can't take away the stone because he stinketh. True story. Like, we should resurrect that word and use it more often. He, he stinketh, Jesus. Right, she's still thinking like Jesus, please don't embarrass us. Like don't she's not expecting anything miraculous to happen. She says, Jesus, he's been dead for four days, and the reason that day is significant because the Jews believed that as long as it was within a three day window of death, there was still a chance they could resurrect, but on the fourth day there was zero chance that anybody could come back to life. I think Jesus waited purposely four days to prove to you that just because the world says it's over, doesn't mean it's over. Just because somebody else says you're done doesn't mean you are done. So Jesus says, move the stone out of the way. Martha's like, please don't make it worse. And in verse 40, I love this. Jesus said, did I not tell you if you believe that you would see the glory of God? If you just believe you would see the glory of God. And of course, Mary and Martha, they have no response, which is probably the right thing to do at this point. Jesus stands in front of this exposed grave. He looks to the heaven and he says, Father, I know you hear me. And I pray that right now that you raise this man from the dead so that they may believe. And so Jesus looks and he says, Lazarus, come on out now. Come on out, Lazarus. And in verse 44, he walks out of the grave. Can you imagine how this would have changed their lives? Can you imagine if you would have been there, if you'd been Mary and Martha, how much that would have changed the trajectory of your life? Imagine being Lazarus. Imagine just being Lazarus' friend. Imagine, hey man, Lazarus, I haven't heard from you the last three days. What's up, bro? Oh man, I've been on a little trip. Imagine like you hey, well, man, I'm glad you're here, man. I just lost my job and I feel there's no hope. He just kind of puts his hand on your shoulders. Brother, I was dead once. And God raised me from the dead. You're never without hope. Can you imagine what that must have been like for the people that are there? But here's the thing. And you're probably thinking it right now. Good for them. Good for Mary and Martha. Good for Lazarus. Glad they got to experience this resurrection power. But what about me? Some of you still feel like you're looking out the window. Waiting for Jesus to show up. If that's you, I mean, honestly, how can you have confidence today that the resurrection power that this family got to see is a resurrection power that can be yours today? And you know how we can know? Because on Easter Sunday, we don't come here to celebrate the fact that Lazarus got out of the grave. We come here to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ got out of the grave. We come here to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has put death to death that Jesus has defeated sin forever and that he has sent us his very spirit, the same spirit that Paul says in Romans 8, raised Christ from the dead to live in us. So the reason that we as Christians celebrate Easter today is not just that Christ is alive, but that he can be alive in us if we simply trust in his perfect life, death, and resurrection. And the reason this is such good news The reason we can celebrate this today is because, listen, as Christians, though we travel the same road that everyone else is traveling, though we breathe the same air, though we drink the same drinks, though we shop at the same stores, though we live under the same government, though we pay the same price for groceries and gasoline, though we fear the same dangers, though we are subject to the same pressures, we get the same distresses and the same diseases and eventually are buried into the same ground. What's different about a Christian is we can know that every step that we walk and every breath that we take, that we are being accompanied today, right now, by the resurrection and the life through His Spirit. If you believe that, I promise you, you know you have the power you need right now to live the life that Christ has called you to live. And that yes, when you die, that death itself is nothing more than a gardener that will release you up to experience more and more of the life that you have been longing for. Many of you in here today You have experienced this resurrection power Just two weeks ago We baptized six people Who came up here and testified To the resurrection power of Christ In their life Who have said that I was broken That I was burnt out And I was hopelessly lost But Jesus came and he saved me And I celebrate with those of you today Who have experienced this But yet there are some of you here Maybe it's your first time Maybe you've been in church your whole life. There are some of you right now who you walk in here and you are dead in your sins. You are as dead spiritually as Lazarus was physically. And there is nothing you can do about it in your own power to raise yourself from the dead. The good news is you don't have to. The good news of Easter is that if you want to experience this life, if you want to go from playing a game where you come here and you sing a few songs on Sunday, but it does not in any way impact your Monday, if you want to actually begin to experience true life, deep life, abundant life within yourself, you don't have to try harder to be better, you simply need to believe. That's it. To believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect sinless life that you could never live, fulfilling a righteous requirement of God. That he went to the cross and he died a death that we all deserve to die for our sins, taking on the judgment and the wrath of God reserved for us, and that he did raise from the dead, conquering it, so that now we can experience, yes, one day eternal life, but that that life in him can begin today. I'm in front of a crowd right now, but I'm in front of a crowd of individuals. Everyone, please look right at me. I know babies are cute, things are happening, we're looking. This is the most important moment of your life. Do you believe everything that I just said? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? The question I'm asking you, listen, don't don't get confused. The question I'm asking you is not, do you believe when you die that you can have life in heaven? I'm asking right now, if you believe in Christ, do you believe that you can have life today? I'm not asking, like, do you believe that Jesus is the good news to your future? I'm asking you, do you believe that he is the good news to your present reality? Guys, I grew up in a church. Listen to me, guys. We're almost done. We are almost done. Do not let this moment escape you. I I grew up in church my entire life, sitting here. I was in a pew, not in chairs, but in a pew, three times a week, listening to preaching, going to all these youth camps reading through my Bible, because that's just what you're supposed to do, and yet I didn't become a Christian until I was 20 years old. You know why that is? Some of you have heard me say it before, because I believed that though Jesus had the power to save me from hell, he did not have the power to satisfy me in this world. And so what I did is I said, yeah, I'll pray that magic formula of prayer. Yeah, I'll do whatever you tell me to do so that I can get God in the next life. But the problem is I didn't want to give God this life. And listen, if you don't give Jesus this life, I promise you, listen, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, it is in this. If you do not give Jesus this life, you will not get him in the next life. I promise. He will not come as your Savior and not come as your Lord. Today is the day of salvation for some of you who have been playing a game. You know it. You are dead on the inside. There is no life in you whatsoever that can change in an instant right here. And all you have to do is believe. If you don't believe in this, I promise you, you're believing in something else. So I would just ask you, what are you believing in for hope? Where are you putting all of your trust? Guys, the truth is, life is hard. We're all going to suffer. We're all going to struggle. We're all going to die. But the real Jesus will visit you in those dead places. He will visit you in those dead places, and whatever your stone is, he will remove that stone. He'll unwrap you so that you can experience the life that you are longing for that is only found in him. All you have to do, I'm telling you, all you have to do is believe he is who he says he is. Don't have to have all the answers. Just believe he is who he says he is, and he's done everything that he says he's done.